they Black Panther, the Black Panther Party, literally held withheld their Second Amendment as granted to them by the Constitution, and they made laws so that they couldn't do it. That is still affecting California now. A lot, a lot of people look at California and say, I, "I think it's great that it's a gun-free state." It wouldn't be if it wasn't for the Black Panther Party. Um, first story. My brother-in-law. He's Jackman. I'm in here, hero. Why you te- why you texting me that though, Jay? Why don't you put that in the chat? Why don't you work on your engagement skills, Jay? What is wrong with you, my brother? No, I'm just playing. Shout out to Jay. Clap it up. Jay is a beautiful individual. He's also a beta. Um, my brother-in-law stole our baby's name. Now he's demanding we choose a different one. Yo. <laughs> Yo, how petty are you? <laughs> how petty are you to do that? Yo. Fuck your life. Um Damn, that's kinda messed up. A man and his wife. Hey, what's up, Keisha? What's going on? Shout out to Booth Boss. Booth Boss is here. Clap it up. Down on my Well, this is the Booth Boss, you're probably asking. Um the Booth Boss is the person who engages the most in the chat, so you know, keep that engagement up. Hey Keisha, how you doing? Jay, my boy, he in here. Uh, a man and his wife have been left furious after his own brother-in-law stole his baby's name. That's why you can't go around telling everybody everything. Before demanding they change theirs to something else. Damn. The couple who have experienced heartbreaking fertility issues in the past are now seven months pregnant with their first child and have already picked out the name of their baby boy. Yo, that's bad omens right there. That's bad juju. Don't don't do that. Like, you've been you've already had trouble getting pregnant, and now you' about to like come over here. Like, uh, oh wait, is or is this the couple itself? Let's find out. We we started searching for the first and middle name, and since I come from and since I come from Irish origins, we decided to settle on my great uncle's first name and my grandfather's middle name. The name wrote. The man wrote on Reddit's AITA form. I don't know what that means. What's that abbreviation? Okay, so this is like bad juju all around. Like, they've been infertile for a minute. They finally getting a baby. But also, you're stealing the name from your uncle and your father. So the name is known. I thought it was like a super unique name, like uh, Franz Ferdinand or some shit. I know that's not Irish. Don't judge me. Um, We told my in-laws about it, and my brother-in-law... Who is a doctor with a with a superiority con- complex? Ooh, that's a call out. Thought the name was awesome. Unbeknown to us, he and his wife decided to basically take not just the first but the middle name and use them for their son, who was born three weeks ago. Damn, <laughs> you can't just let anybody in your business, yo. I I don't know how to feel about this. Um. Understandably, the couple was furious, but the man's wife suggested they just ignore her brother and go ahead with the name regardless. Yeah, I think that's the only thing you can do. But that is super petty. Nafi, if you're not coming on the show, Nafi, we get out of here, okay? We don't need you here. Nafi gonna come here and let us know she's still in the meeting that she's used to betray us. The, the, the hypocrisy. 
Um, jury finds that Sarah Palin's failed to prove her defamation case against the New York Times. Okay, so for y'all that don't know, Sarah Palin's like that, like that super weird conservative. Uh, she was actually a, a representative of Congress at one point, and um. No, I'm sorry, Nafi. No, Nafi, we love you. We love you. Come back. Come back, Nafi. We love you, okay? All right? All right? It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. Nafi, you, you better not feel... Do you feel in charge? You're not in charge, okay? You're not. Um, But the New York Times has prevailed in this, in defending itself against a defamation lawsuit brought to Sarah Palin after jurors found she had not proven her case. The jury of nine, which had been deliberating since Friday afternoon, found the Times not liable for defamation against uh, Palin. <laughs> Palin is, uh, like, she's not a very, like, she's not a great person. She's, like, she said some really dumb things in the past. Like, so many dumb things, but she's, like, Anything they've said about her is either true or, <laughs> or like in some semblance worthy of it. Because I don't know if there was any aspect of her defending her, but I, I can't imagine they've said anything worse that they've not said to any other place. Um, but Sarah Palin thinking that um, she said something really dumb. I wonder if they said in our your job has decided the facts. Uh, man, she's full of dumb things and quotes and stuff like that. But no mercy for me. Um, um, some good news. Uh, Aaron Jackson bringing home gold, first black woman to win speed skating medal at the Winter Olympics. I took a vast a, a look into this story past like her her winning this. Like she just learned how to inline skate Jackson recently. Making Olympic history this weekend, Jackson skating the gold in the women's 500 meter race. Or uh, in just the last hour, yeah. that historic goal. Yeah, so she just like picked up the sport. So for the rest of your life, you'll. She picked up the sport like super recently. I don't even know y'all could hear that. Could y'all hear that? Um, she picked up the sport like recently. Hold on, let me see. Could y'all? The Erin Jackson, yeah. Olympic champion. <laughs> how does how does that uh, how does that sound to you? It sounds really great. Um, <laughs> yeah, still wrapping my head around it. I mean, you know, your story's remarkable on so many levels. I mean, first of all, I read that you didn't even start until, you know, a few months before Pyeongchang. I mean, you finished <laughs> like 27th, 28th, 29th in Pyeongchang. And now here, like, talk to me about the journey from... Yeah, just working. <laughs> just working, that's just it. Very that's humble, chick. I like yeah. that. Very you humble. Brittany Bow, of course, everyone's familiar with that part of the story now. And, and there she was cheering you on, perhaps louder than anybody else there. And I, I saw the two of you after the race um, talk. What, what, yeah. what did she say to you? What did you say to her? Um, well, I mean, I think it was like mostly hugging and tears. But <laughs> um, yeah, she was just saying she's so proud of me. And I was like, we did it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild. It's been 28 years since an American went. Um, what, what do you hope that part of your story does to inspire? Oh, well. Maybe I should try this. And I think that would be amazing, even if it's just one person, you know, getting someone else uh, out there <laughs> to skate with me. <laughs> and that's and that's ultimately it. Right. Just get one more person to join you. Just get one more person to join you out on the ice. And and to Keisha's point, yeah, it's very Tiger Wood ish vibes. Uh, I hope she has a promising career because like she picked it up just a few years ago and she went from like 
she's basically dominating the sport. So it's ultimately it's a feel good story all around. Congratulations to her. I haven't followed any. If you had if until this story, I didn't even know the Winter Olympics was going on. So she's a valid. She's the only reason why I know the Winter Olympics are going on, and I prefer to keep it that way. Um, Ohio mayor concerned concerned ice shanties could lead to prostitution. The fuck. Um, the mayor of an upscale city outside Cleveland is making headlines again for remarks at a recent city council meeting that, uh, that allowing ice fishing shanties on a city lake could lead to prostitution. Yo, um, Hudson mayor Craig Schubert during a meeting on Tuesday said he wanted to raise some data points during a discussion about whether to permit people to fish on frozen lake does someone come back next year and say i want an ice shanty on the hudson spring park for x amount of time schubert said and if you then allow ice fishing with uh the shanties then does that lead to another problem prostitution yo people be reaching it's 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 crazy because you pay taxes and that's your land, that's your water, that's your park. And here this asshole is, is he's concerned about prostitution. One, ain't nobody shaking their ass on a on a on a frozen lake. And if they are shaking their ass on a frozen lake, that's a, that's something I'd pay to see. <laughs> I'd pay to see that. You feel me? Clap it up for that. We clapped. We, we, we dropped a bomb for that. I dropped to see you drop. Shake some ass. Shake some ass on some ice. I want to see it, but he reaching, he reaching, uh, Massachusetts game show winner gets tripped to New Hampshire. Yo, <laughs> Beta. damn, damn, how are you in a trip on a game show to New Hampshire? Like you just know you want it to be somewhere warm for the summer. I mean, for the winter, you just want it to be somewhere warm and you want to trip to New Hampshire. Oh, that's cold blooded. Um, contestant Price the, on the Price is Right was hoping was hoping to win a getaway to some tropical local locale during a recent appearance on the game show. Instead, she won a trip to a neighboring New Hampshire. Yo, that's what you get. Fuck your life. <laughs> I ain't never been on no game show. And that's what you get. You ain't a, you, not. Instead, uh, Catherine Graham has already won a fire pit and love seat with when she was picked to go on stage and play a side-by-side with Drew Carey. Oh, Drew Carey does that show now? I loved him in Whose Line Is That Anyway? Does anybody remember that line? Anybody remember that show? I love that show. Um... Would you like to answer a question right at this particular time? Would you like to do that? Yeah. Um. They. Then she found out she'd be playing for a trip to New Hampshire, just across the border from Massachusetts. Uh. She won it by correctly guessing the value of the prize was seven thousand six hundred and ninety-six instead of nine thousand six hundred seventy-six. Graham confessed she was hoping for something a bit more exotic. Than the live free or live free or die state, uh, which uh, she said she already visited a million times. 
Yo, you know what? I feel like the show should then let her substitute it, right? Let the sh- let her substitute it. I think that's what she- they should do. They should definitely do that. Hey, what up, Bump Fuzzle? Clap it up for Bump Fuzzle. What's that? Drop a bomb on too. Bump Fuzzle and his joint lurking. I think they should definitely give her like a consolation prize or something. Uh, Florida man steals car, train sends it crashing into house. This story won't make sense reading it into like you have to hear it so basically this dude um he was drunk he wasn't drunk he was sober he was supposed to be the designated driver but he was part of a group and someone in the group stole his car um and when they stole his car he went looking for his car he couldn't find it so he stole someone else's car the car basically ran out of gas perfect timing on the train track Train's coming. Train hits the car, sends it into a house. He then uses a forklift that he sees nearby, hot, gets into that, steals that, and goes searching for his car. And when the police are trying to investigate how the hell this happened, he then pulls up to the scene of the crime like, I was looking for my car, but I couldn't find it, so I'm going to just confess. It's utter madness how this even began to be, but it's Florida, man. And you know how them Florida people like to be. They like to tussle. You feel me? Bing bang. Here's something that I find definitely insulting, right? Definitely insulting. Shikari Richardson sees a double standard in allowing Camila Valint, or whatever her name is, to compete. There's something about this picture that says I'm not racist, but I am. And I'm saying this from the Olympic standpoint. Shikari Richardson, if you don't remember, last summer was barred from competing in the Olympics because of substance abuse, which uh, was marijuana, which she had a legitimate reason for. Uh, it's legalized in America, in parts of America. So she she was breaking no rules from the standpoint of her own country, but the Olympic Committee saw it as a no, and this is from, back from the whole drug on war type nonsense, right? It didn't give her any advantage that she didn't already have. It was used for anxiety to deal with the processing of losing her mother. But meanwhile, homegirl on the right, oh, white girl, has been taking trypsinine, which is a heart medication, which increases your heart. It's just like, it's like adrenaline in some cases, which helps maximize your performance and maximize your blood flow so you get more oxygenation, better outcome, better force, better perform overall performance. She's dope. She's basically doping, right? And she's being allowed to perform. And not only is she being allowed to perform, she won. And she has like two more events to do. She won. And because she won and they can't, and I guess they don't want to bring shame. And she's from Russia, of course. They, 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 Russia has a long history of doping and drug abuse and stuff of that nature. But because she won, the second and third place person are now not being allowed to get their medals because any event she's in that she wins, she's not going to be allowed to stand on stage. So therefore, they've canceled the ceremony. So the people who came in second and third don't even get a chance to get their medals in the public forum. But all that to say, she's being handled with kid gloves. She's 15. I get that. But no one's talking about the coach who is known as the Ice Queen. And this this is a laughable uh, truth. And this is Matt, Matia, whatever, Reba, 
Reeve, who is in charge of these things. And it's just further, like, it, it gets harder and harder for me to say, like, shit like this. But it also becomes easier and easier for me to say it. How do you expect me not to call out systemic racism when it is literally everywhere I look? It is literally everywhere I look. Explain to me how Shikari wasn't allowed to run in the Olympics, but this little white girl is. What's the difference? They both used a substance that was deemed illegal. One definitely more illegal than the other. One definitely used to maximize performance of athletes. And remember back in the day, they were saying, well, you know, the weed might lower her, but the weed might make her less uh, anxious. Therefore, she can, like, focus her breathing better. Like, they were making up, they were saying shit like that to justify her suspension. So now, now it's like one of these things like, man, I know the Olympics is fun and all, and it's a great accomplishment, but but it's, it's an advocation for supremacy. Ultimately, it's an advocation for supremacy. Ultimately, because America didn't fight nowhere near as hard as for Shikari when uh, when she ran into her issue. Russia flat out said, "Y'all better not remove us." That's crazy. Who's gonna defend the weak? Right? That's the type of questions we gotta ask. Who's gonna defend the weak? But it you can't sit here and tell me that everything isn't about race when literally. The only difference is race. That's it. I know it hurts, but it also sucks to suck. Um, but you know, you know, hey, those those are a few of our stories. But now we're gonna get into uh, one of my uh, favorite segments of this show, and one of my favorite segments of this show is when we talk about uh, the Herman Cain Award. The Herman Cain Award is an award given to people who. Uh, made fun of COVID, got COVID, and then died from it. Um, these people are idiots. And in a pandemic that has now eclipsed a million people dying, we still have people out in the world who don't believe COVID, don't believe in the in the, in the response to it, don't want to even address it. But now we have taken this a step further as we have people who are now proactively trying to harm other people. So here we have an anti-vaxxer could face charges after death of COVID patient. Um, my boy Joe over here, uh, anti-vaccination extremist has been re- released from Garda custody after being arrested in connection with the role of assisting a ser- uh, seriously ill COVID-19 patient leave shortly before he died. So this dude broke out a COVID patient who was deathly ill, and then that person went on to die. We are filmed as a... It's just crazy to me. So, not only is he okay with, like, his him getting COVID, but, like, he's out here trying to liberate people who are sick on a vent. It's mind-boggling to me. Oh, it's mind-boggling to me. It's mind-boggling to me that this dude was... That, that, like, how wasn't this dude, like, tackled at the door? How wasn't this dude just tackled at the door? But this is, like, the stuff we have to deal with, right? Anti-vax radio host dies after contracting COVID. This happened uh, in... This happened January 6th. This was that, around the time when I was nowhere to be found. Um, your boy... 
send some shout outs real quick. I see y'all, y'all in here. See y'all in here. I see y'all in here. Anyway, uh, Douglas uh, Kazuma. <laughs> Wait, what? Douglas Kazuma? Isn't that? No, am I thinking Kazuya? Am I thinking Kazuya? I, I don't know if I'm thinking Kazuya. Uh, Kazuma from Tekken? I don't know his name. Uh, a conservative radio host who contracted COVID-19 after attending a far-right gathering in Texas died earlier this week. His daughter, Amanda Kazuma, uh, that's such a cool name for such a dumbass person. His death to uh, the Daily Beast, she said he was a great father. Was he? Hmm? Was he? What made him so great? The countless conspiracies he told you as he tucked you into bed at night? The countless lies he told to hundreds of his viewers and probably contributed to well over 100 people dying. Hmm? Is that what made him great? Your father was a beta. All right. Nothing more, nothing less. And then finally, North Texas police officer dies of COVID-19. Now, this might be a super sad story. Nah, I I don't have sympathy for these people or like this relationship. You you have to be confident, like you have to be well within your own mindset to be able to say like, yo, there's certain things I don't trust my parents to do. I don't trust my parents to like know how to handle intricate parts of like day to day society. Like that's just not their thing. They were born and raised in a different time. So like when your parent is doing some fuck ass shit literally leading to the deaths of hundreds of people. We don't know how, like I got a measly six people, six people watching with me, right? Wait, no, that's actually pretty mean. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. But I got six people watching with me. He probably had hundreds of thousands of people watching his show, digesting this shit, leading to this pandemic going on. We've been in the pandemic for three years. All that sympathy shit goes out the window. All that shit goes out the window. But this lady, Fort Worth Police Department, like, uh, I think this was from Fort Worth. And the thing about it with this is I looked all over for this because she has MS. She has a she has a, a background, a career that, like, says she's a very smart person, dot of this. But there was no record of her vaccination. And then I looked her name up to see if she was in the vaccination records. Nothing. So she was someone who already had, like, you know, health issues and things of that nature. And the public forum to look up if people were vaccinated, there was nothing there on her. And it makes you just wonder, like, yo, did you do it to yourself? Right? Did you do it to yourself? But, I mean, hey, this concludes our our series on people who who try to fuck around and find out and found out. And I hope everyone gets a fitting task. And just to give more uh, limits to this, right? We got a map here showing the amount of people that have died in each state right now, as of up to date. Right? So we're looking at Florida. That's 67,000. Texas, that's 82,000. Cali, 83. New Jersey, 32. New York, 66. Illinois, 34. 
Iowa 8,000, 3,000, Nebraska. This is the lowest count, 1,667 in Wyoming. Like, it's, it's a year. We're tired of this, yo. We're so tired of this. We have to be, like, we have to be okay with pointing out this nonsense. Um, real quick, um, remember when uh, your boy... Your boy Hillary Clinton was out here uh, <laughs> hiding and destroying her emails. Well, now the tables have turned. Uh, the orange Oompa Loompa, Mr. Trump himself, has was uh, has like there's someone someone's writing a book about him, and basically they said when a very personal document came to his desk, he would tear it up and chew it so that it would become unlike readable. And that there's a story about him clogging a toilet in the White House because he would take documents that he found to be very personable. He would take them, keep them, go to the bathroom, tear them up and clog and like put it in a toilet. So he, he this is <laughs> this is something that was reported on earlier, but it doesn't shock me. It's it's not like it's not now it's like it's not shocking to me, but it's like that's that's how the cookie crumbles, right? That's that's what you get. That's what that's how you live. Um, he's never been known to be an honest or truthful guy, so like, it shouldn't surprise anybody that this is something he was willing to do. Uh, it's just further proof. But the thing that was kind of funny is like Marco Rubio, Marco Rubio, who was the most one of the most savage people trying to go after Hillary Clinton. Uh, Mate, like, okay, and we got it right here. Say, why are Republicans seemingly not as alarmed about President Trump's handling of documents compared to worries about Hillary Clinton's emails? Both former National Security Advisor Sandy Berger, former CIA Director John Deutsch, slapped with criminal penalties for mishandling national security documents. We know there are the 15 boxes down in Mar-a-Lago. There's allegations of flushing uh, documents down the toilet in the Oval Office that the former president has denied. Yeah. How do you answer that? Well, first of all, I don't know what's true and what's not, because they've made up so many stories about Donald Trump over the years that, I mean, things that I just knew were flat out untrue. But nowadays, in the mainstream media, you just need one source to smear Donald Trump. Maybe you don't even need that. So it's hard to tell anymore what really happened and what didn't. The documents that were in Mar-a-Lago, by all accounts, were turned over. Look, if the process wasn't followed there, then that, there needs to be something that happens about that. It's not a crime, I don't believe. Um, but and the stuff about flushing paper down the toilet, who knows if that's even true? These people, I mean, at this point, I've seen... At least a dozen things said about Trump that turned out to be complete lies. Somebody just make it up and, and some of the media. But what about the stuff that is true, right? What about the stuff that we know is true? You won't, you won't condemn him for that. So Marco Rubio is full of shit and that's fully pun intended. Um, Justin Trudeau invokes emergency powers to quell protests. So this is super interesting because I didn't know that this was a thing, but apparently it is. Unlimited drinks for $9.99 a month. Why would I listen to your commercial? Um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invokes emergency powers Monday to quell paralyzing protests by truckers and other angry others angry over COVID-19 restrictions. Outlining plans not only to tow away their rigs, 
but to strike at their bank accounts and their livelihoods. Damn. Yeah, they released like a list of uh, the, the truckers and people who are donating to it, which led to this great headline. Ottawa's police chief ousted amid truckers' protest in Canada. So somebody was talking about how these protests of these truckers basically causing um, supply chain issues, social unrest, capitalism, halting capitalism, basically, and not one bullet was fired. And, and there's a, there's another trend here. You know, there's a predominantly white group of people who have never experienced anything even remotely to suffrage and damage in this country. Now, all of a sudden, giving this, giving the slightest bit of restriction and want to scream bloody hell, I'm being oppressed. And with that ability to then scream, I'm being oppressed, then say, oh, woe is me. Don't look, put their hands up and just be completely content with being assholes. The, they Black Panther, the Black Panther Party, literally held withheld their Second Amendment as granted to them by the Constitution, and they made laws so that they couldn't do it. That is still affecting California now. A lot, a lot of people look at California and say, I, "I think it's great that it's a gun-free state." It wouldn't be if it wasn't for the Black Panther Party. You want gun rights? Get black people guns. Get black people guns. See how quickly the gun rights just pop up. I, I'm ready for this whole trucker thing to end because it's built off of nothing. And we've also gotten to a point where it's like, yo, if you don't want to be vaccinated and, and you bite the bullet, you just bite the bullet. Like, and hear me out. Uh, they're talking about people who can't get vaccinated because of anything. But the people around them and the things that you can do around it, and they're also making therapies for people who don't have it, like, COVID is a thing we're going to live with. I, they're they're taking out, I think the next story, a few stories from here that talk about taking out mask mandates. I am forever wearing a mask in public. That's just it for me. That's the, that is my new style. That's my new swag. Like, when I'm going in, when I'm walking in a crowd or I'm in a grocery store, I'm putting on a mask. From here on out, it's just something I will do. It'll be as normal as putting on a watch. This is a story that's both sad and kind of tragic, um, but it's it's good to see like some semblance of it. The Sandy Hook families reached seven seventy three million dollars settlement settlement with gun manufacturers. Remington, that's crazy. I don't know. This is gonna play. I'm I'm looking here, of course, at the date, and we're coming up on the uh, anniversary, unfortunately, of of the Sandy Hook shooting. And you know, Jesse would have been 13. I'm sure you think every day about what you miss. What do you Pop want collar. this nation to know about that loss? Jesse's school bus comes. The families of the five children. And four adults killed in the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting have reached a $73 million settlement with the now bankrupt gun manufacturers. Uh, Remington is our four insecure uh, plaintiffs, insurer, uh, insured plaintiffs attorneys said. Okay. 
by my house every single day to pick him up and drop him off. And of course, every day I'm poignantly aware that he is not getting on that bus. And I just want everyone to know that uh, and realize that we've had 350 school shootings since the tragedy at Sandy Hook. So within the last nine years, We've had 28 school shootings this year alone. It is our responsibility to keep our kids safe. And there are things that we can do. We need to change the narrative. We need to focus on getting these essential life skills into schools as a priority. We can reduce and prevent these school shootings, but we are going to have to take responsibility to do this and 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 it is a call to action to each and every one of us my six-year-old son actually stood up to the shooter that came into his first grade classroom and saved nine of his classmates lives we're going to have to find that courage within each one of us and change the narrative and focus on the root cause and that is lack of these essential life skills yeah, Scarlett, we shouldn't demand that courage of our children. You know, um, it's it's amazing what Jesse did, and it's amazing what you're doing. Um, and I appreciate your courage and your insight here. Scarlett Lewis, thank you so much. It's a sad story, but it's, it's, it's just that's the thing, right? Guns are more important than dead children. That's, a, that's something you got to live with. Yeah. What those guns will protect people from, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, some updates here. George Floyd, first of the officers involved in George Floyd's death testified during federal civil rights trial. Let's get an update. For all y'all that don't know, George Floyd was murdered by uh, St. Paul, uh, Minneapolis Police Department, St. Paul Police Department. He was killed by a police department um, by sitting on his neck for eight, nine minutes and 26 seconds. Um and while he was doing that, four other officers were holding him down. Um, George Floyd had his hands handcuffed behind his back. He was already in the vehicle. He was accused of forging a 20 upon uh, investigation, which was a legitimate 20. Uh, they then tried to say that there were drugs in his system. There's no way the officer would have known that. So I don't know why you felt the need to. Basically, they wanted to just kill, kill George Floyd. And they thought they could get away with it. They thought they could get away with it so nonchalantly that at one point for one minute and 13 seconds, uh, Shaver put his hands in his pocket while he was on his neck. So the officers who did nothing stood by and watched him do it. Now they're on trial. Let's see how long they last. Oh, it was Minneapolis. I was right. Christy, how rare is a prosecution like this? Thank you for having me. Uh, it, the prosecution, a prosecution like this is really unprecedented. A federal civil rights prosecution charging officers for not intervening with a, super, a, super, a superior. And why is that the case? I mean, why aren't there more prosecutions? Is it because it, it's so rare it doesn't happen or that they're so difficult or that you, you just don't have video that shows it like you did in the, in the tragic case of George Floyd? I think all of those things alongside the fact that people's expectations for policing are changing. So there are very few federal prosecutions of um, officers for failing to intervene at all. 
even though every circuit um, has this requirement, every federal court in the nation has this requirement, and it's been a requirement since 1972. Uh, but it's especially unusual to charge officers for not intervening when it was a superior, um, whether formal or informal, that was violating the person's rights. So the video is appalling. We've all seen it so many times. What happened to George Floyd was, was a crime, literally a crime. I mean, Chauvin is now in jail. Is it nonetheless realistic to think that someone three or four days on the job would be willing to intervene in the case of their superior officer, officer doing what transpired in this case? Does that provide them a defense? I think it is definitely something the jury will be thinking about, but legally it's absolutely not a defense. And in the Eighth Circuit in particular, the circuit that covers Minnesota, they have specifically said that the fact that the person who's violating the individual's rights is your supervisor, in that case it was the sheriff, they said there that the deputy sheriff still had a responsibility to intervene to prevent the violation. And I think if you think about it, we can't have policing unless we ask officers to stand up, we require that they stand up and intervene when they see another officer violating somebody's rights. But that also means we okay. can support them and ensure that they have every, um, they're fully equipped to be able to do that. So what specifically should have transpired? What would the training tell them to do in your view? Yeah, it's a really important point. Um, there's a duty to intervene in uh, Minnesota, as I've said, not only under federal court law, but under state law and under um, department policy. But what they didn't do, in my view, is really fully train officers and then support that um, with accountability and incentives to create a culture of uh, active bystandership. So, you know, the program that I run at Georgetown Law, ABLE, that's one of the things that we try to do. So, for example, we teach officers that you have to... Uh, I mean, you may have to ratchet up your intervention here. And, and that's, I think, what we saw with Lane in this case, Officer, former Officer Lane. Um, we saw him, um, what you might call probe, ask, should we turn uh, George Floyd on his side? Um, we train officers that enable that you might have to ratchet that up. We, we use an acronym, PACT, um, probe, alert, challenge, take action. And um, I think officers need to be trained. And I'm not saying the legal standard here. This is just a tool that you can teach officers so that uh, interventions are more effective to first probe, but if that doesn't work, you have to alert. And if that doesn't work, you may have to challenge, and finally, you may have to take action, including physical action. But if someone three or four days on the job goes up and leans into Derek Chauvin in this case and says, you know, hey, chief, I don't see him responding, or hey, chief, maybe we should roll him over, and doesn't get the response they're looking for, would you go so far as to say then, then they've got an obligation to yank Derek Chauvin off George? The thing, the thing that they're not puzzle, piecing together, and this is this is the this is the mind smelt that people aren't getting. When you treat people like strangers, when you're a public servant, and you treat people like strangers, you're going to get bad behavior. If Derek Chauvin was on the neck of their fucking brother, son, father, uncle, dad, how long would you have left the? Derek Chauvin on top of your brother, uncle, father, dad. A minute? Two? Five minutes and 13 seconds? The full nine minutes and 26 seconds? They trying to look at this from a from a bubble perspective when the, the problem is, is their training and the inadequate behavior of the people.
we hire to be police officers to serve and protect. I hope all four of them rot in jail. Uh, ending the indoor mask mandate requirement. Vaccinated people on Wednesday. We just talked about this. This is similar to it, but this is going to be in California. Before it actually comes to an end tomorrow at 12.01 a.m. That's for all vaccinated people. Some Californians this morning, even California health officials saying it is time for our state to transition toward a new normal. We're moving just from a requirement to a strong recommendation, not to a recommendation and not that masks are optional. We're still strongly recommending that people wear them in public indoor places. Now, the state's decision coming as COVID cases have dropped over 75% hospitalizations by 40% test positivity, also significantly down since the peak during the wintertime Omicron surge. Officials say the state's mask mandate expires at 12.01 a.m. tomorrow. And when that happens, unvaccinated individuals over age 2 will still be required to wear masks in all indoor public settings. Masks will also be required for everyone, that's regardless of vaccination status, in public transportation, healthcare settings, places like correctional facilities and homeless shelters and even long-term care facilities. The state's Health and Human Services Secretary, Dr. Mark Galley, says the state continues to adapt to changing conditions of the COVID pandemic with rules that accept that it is here you know, to stay. But I'm okay with this, honestly, because, yeah, I think it's been overblown and it's been it's, it's taken a toll on certain people. So I'm okay with this coming to an end. But I think the part that a lot of people aren't prepared for is just like, how do you enforce people like looking at your vaccination card? How do you not like how do you gauge that? How do you know who's telling the truth? How do you know who's not telling the truth? It's stuff like that that makes me like pause for concern. Um, and, you know, here in Chicago, they do a vaccine card check, which is kind of strange to me because every time they try to check my vaccination card, they always sat us first, then checked. And I was just like, if I had COVID, I've been sitting here for 15 minutes spreading it. You should, that's just something that's what, what our host is for. If not that, I, I found it weird that the servers had to do it and not the hostess, but you know, uh, But um, we'll we'll see. Like I'm okay with them taking away these things because I don't think I don't think the mandates are going like unless the surge increases, then we bring it back because we saw it drop with them on. But like, man, people just I don't think people should change. Just keep wearing a mask. Period. Um, and in our final story, uh, some more justice. Prince Andrews settles. With a U.S. woman who says she was trafficked to him by Jeffrey Epstein. Um, This was a very interesting story because you you just know they they hate hate to come to it. Uh, Britain's Prince Andrew has settled the sexual abuse. This is my British accent. My my sexual abuse lawsuit. No, I'm not going to do that. Brought by a woman who said she was trafficked to him by the late uh, fiance, uh, financer Jeffrey Epstein. A court filing Tuesday revealed the amount of the settlement was not disclosed. Mm. That's that royal money right there. 
criminal lawsuit that Virginia Dupre was forced to have sex with him and that these events took place in three different settings in New York and in London and in the Virgin Islands and that she was sexually trafficked and that she was 17 years old. We weren't even a human being to them. We were just another toy to be passed around. The allegations against Prince Andrew are from one of uh, Jeffrey Epstein's victims, Virginia Dupre. A lot of the victims of Jeffrey Epstein say that the actions against Ghislaine Maxwell, for example, who was found guilty in a New York court of sex trafficking, and now the action against Prince Andrew is a way to hold these people who were in Jeffrey Epstein's universe, circle, you know, accountable. The is it though? Can you consider this accountability? Because just like any major company, all he has to do, and this is the picture of them meeting. He said he never met them. All that means is, you know, he he paid her out, but he'll never have to admit that he did anything wrong. And now she can't talk about it. And I don't know. That's a civil case. But does that also bar her from a... Like, I, the statute of limitations is expired. So it's one of those things where... They claim, oh, it, it, it brings about, like, justice. It's not justice. It's a, it's a fail-safe. It's a fail-safe to protect these monsters from, like, to keep them from doing what they want to do. But, you know, hey, that's my perspective on this. I'm interested to know what you guys think about all this stuff and how this makes you feel. Go ahead. You made it to the end. And it's thanks to you. Uh, I appreciate all y'all being here, uh, kicking it with me. We're going to get into some more stuff. We're going to get into more of the show. Um, 